Hey, hey, you're listening to Johnny Secret Stash. I'm John Goldman, and we're on WRHC, Radio Harbor Country, out of Three Oaks, Michigan, uh, 106.7 FM, and WRHZ, 93.5, out of Sawyer, Michigan. And uh, we're also available through a podcast, Johnny Secret Stash, available through Podbean and iTunes. Uh, We are... Happy to have a special guest in the studio today, Mark Fix, and that was uh, his original song, Lost in the Green. Mark, how you doing today? Good I'm to have good. you here. Yeah, this is cool. Let's listen to uh, the rest of this song and uh, and then you know, start in the, the show, ask you a few questions and uh, and push on. Here we go. Lost in the Green. Color to my world that night 
That was Mark Fix, Lost in the Green. And we got Mark Fix in the studio. Uh, Mark from St. Joe, and uh, you're a local musician, but you also have a day job teaching tennis, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, and um, where do you teach? South Shore? Yeah, I'm at the South Shore Health and Racquet Club in St. Joe, Michigan. I think about coming up on 14 years of doing tennis there. It's been a great situation for me. Yeah, and and then you also teach privates and stuff like that oh, yeah. too. Yeah, everything. Uh, did you play professionally or no, in college no. or? No, I did play college. I played college tennis, but not good enough to do the professional thing. Oh well, nope. you know. In, in a sense, you are a tennis pro, so uh, there's that. In yeah, terms sure. Of professional. I mean, I get I get paid for it, so I guess yeah. that's it. When people introduce me, or some family members introduce me as. Uh, Mark, the tennis pro, I quickly interject and say, teach <laughs> professional. <laughs> I don't want anybody uh, under the uh, misassumption that I'm a playing professional. All right. Well, but with music, I think that uh, we can call you a professional. I mean, you, you get out there and you play uh, weddings and you play in small venues and, and stuff like that. And, and you keep that going. So, yeah. And you record music. Um, I'd call that a professional musician. Yeah, yeah, the music part, sure. <laughs> All yes, right, definitely. so uh, when did you, um, you know, what was it like growing up? Did you have music going on in your house? What kind of stuff did you listen to? Yeah, growing up, I had a lot of music in the family. My mom and dad, I think if I'm saying this correctly, they kind of made a, a, a decision that dad would handle the sporting side of, of our life and mom would culture us. That was their deal. I believe uh-huh. they actually... You know, kind of discuss that. And, yeah, yeah. I think it was an actual conversation. conclusion. <laughs> yeah, if they're listening to this, they can fill me in later on how that worked out. But and so, mom got us, my brother and I, in piano lessons pretty young. Probably I don't know what it was nine, nine, ten, something like that. And I was in the the prerequisite choir stuff and in grade school, and uh, I played every sport. Gobs of, and our back then, we didn't go to classes. We didn't. We weren't on a lot of organized teams, but we played everything. You know, uh-huh. going to the playground, right? And just showing up and seeing who was there. Sure, and that's 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 how I right. grew up too. That was, yeah. uh, you know, you didn't have the training necessarily, but you you got a lot of playing time, right? And uh, hanging out with your friends and yeah. Uh, nowadays, and I know we're here about music, but from from a sporting thing, at least with tennis, nowadays a lot of kids don't play their sport unless they are at practice or in a right. lesson. Right. And when I was growing up. We had a park near our house. It was Four Lakes Subdivision in Vincennes, Indiana. We'd ride our bike down there, and there was uh, baseball fields, and there was tennis courts and a basketball court all right there. Yeah. And so what you did was you just went down there, and if somebody was on the basketball court, you played basketball. Right. If somebody was on the tennis court, you yeah. played tennis. Yeah. And that's how it worked. <laughs> right. In the fall, you'd play soccer and, and football, and in the spring, you'd play baseball and Yep. Now you're shaking your head though. It sounds like it didn't quite matter. You know, if someone came out with the basketball in uh, March, then and then you were playing basketball. Right on. Yeah. Pull up the even at night. Pull up the car and turn on the lights and oh, yeah. play under the lights. That's how, that's how I grew up. Right. Right. 
that's not necessarily the way kids are growing up today. No. Not a bad thing. Just, you know, have to focus a little bit more on, on exactly what they're doing. And, and so they're, they're kind of getting training as they're learning these, uh, these other sports. But I think you were saying or suggesting that unless you make that decision that you're going to play a particular sport, you don't even get an opportunity to do it. Right. Right. It's nowadays there's a lot of unfortunately specialization where I still feel in a lot of uh, um, expert coaches and even biomechanists that understand the physiology of the human body when you're young playing multiple sports is fantastic for you. It even, even prevents injury. Yeah. There's yeah, I can less see that. repetitive movement of one thing. And honestly, I think it translates to music too. I do. Yeah. How, how do you think? How does that fit in? Well, when I, when I was growing up, uh, piano lessons were just like I, I I hear they're very similar to what they are now. You 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 play piano and you get those notes on the page and you learn those notes. And I'm not anti notes, um, and you just do nothing but that, and not just nothing but piano, but nothing but that way. Uh huh. Right. And as most kids, I got sick of it and yeah, bored out of my mind and and uh, the. And I wasn't taught things like chords. Uh -huh. I wasn't taught how to improvise. I wasn't up until I mean, after college. Even I, somebody here's an example. If I get kids to play music with me now, which I love having kids uh, play with me and even play live, my kids do it all the time now. It, I I need to be able to say to them, "Hey, this song is in, you know, it's twelve bar blues and E," and they can go, cool, 12 bar blues and E. We know what those chords are. Uh -huh. But I, I wasn't taught that way. And, and most kids in, in piano lessons aren't taught that way. And they know their notes, but they don't know their chords. So it's my opinion, just, I mean, just like sports, you want to play a lot of different sports. Yeah. And in music, not only maybe play some different instruments, but learn different ways of understanding music instead right. of just the notes on the page. Uh huh. So, Almost is like you're suggesting that uh, maybe a way to learn music is to look at it in a broader view, uh, you know, maybe do a little bit of just, you know, non-note rhythmic following to get into the frame of it. And and then the notes and the chords all make sense and they fit together with something like that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And be able to, especially if you're playing in a setting with a live band or even in a, in a church setting, playing with the church band, if if you have to go off, off the notes and that sheet music, you're not going to survive very long in a live setting right. with the band because right. it just doesn't it doesn't go from this measure to that measure and then back and it doesn't go like that if you're in a church setting and and the congregation is enjoying the song and the the band director may look at us and say we're going back we're doing it again uh -huh. let's do it again but do it like this we're on the fly in front of you know hundreds of people yeah and it's the same way on on the on the stage with with rock and roll and playing live shows that it's important to be flexible yeah right to to be able to improvise right. like that right and create on the fly yeah yeah and yeah. you didn't feel so when you were starting out with to, uh, piano lessons you didn't feel like that was happening i didn't know that, that existed yeah i wasn't right. i wasn't complaining back then yeah now that i'm older yeah. um, and looking love, back you, you yeah. just think that that wasn't uh, a good way to and i love my piano and teacher. we all learned how to, uh, you know anybody took lessons that's just what lessons look like back when you're a little kid like that 
But yeah. um, so you didn't do piano for very long. What about your brother? Did he no. stay with it? Nah, yeah. nah just the two of you growing up. Yeah, just the two of us. Yeah. Yep, and all the all our friends in the neighborhood. Yeah, and uh, on. So, so how did you uh, go from taking piano lessons and you know just kind of like learning things by rote, maybe? Um, to taking it to the next step and, and actually finding an interest in music? Well, my culturing, as I think I said before, I don't know if that's the right word, on my, on my mom and dad's side, it was, it was listening to gobs of, what I can remember, gobs of Billy Joel, uh, the Beach Boys, a lot of Beach Boys. Dad had probably every Eagles album Uh i think i remember chicago i think i remember chicago albums but man i was obsessed with billy joel back then too and listen and then on my uh on the other side of my family my my, i'd say the the biggest influence in my music growing up was my uncle roger my mom's brother and he had a not just him but my uh my grandpa pete and my grandma they had when we would visit them in uh, louisville kentucky Roger would always have his guitar, and Grandma had a piano in the back room. And when he wasn't playing the guitar, it would always be sitting on the bed right next to the piano, and I would sneak in there. And I don't know if I was allowed to or not. <laughs> I'm guessing he would have he would have let me, but I can't remember. And I would sneak in there and and bang on the piano, and the guitar would be sitting on the bed, and you know, pluck the strings and strum them and make noise out of them. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And he was always singing. When I was there, my influences were country, maybe a little bit of rock and roll. Uh-huh. Uh, very country, old school stuff. Like uh, one of my favorites that I remember back then was Boxcar Willie. And I don't uh, know if anybody knows school. who Boxcar sure. Willie is anymore. But man, my grandpa, he loved Boxcar Willie. And um, uh, a lot of John Denver. Sure. I know. John Denver. Every word, uh, Grandma's Feather Bed. Yeah. Uh, that was God my I'm first a, album. I was like yeah. four. Thank God I'm a country boy. And Country Road, still, when I play I, any show, I mean, yeah. the whole place is singing it. I don't even have to sing it. Uh, just, right. Isn't I that funny? Started. It doesn't come on the radio that much, right. but everyone knows it. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's one of the songs, if I don't play it at a show, <laughs> I'm going to get things uh, thrown, at, thrown at me. <laughs> and so on. from him, from Roger, I got to hear blues country rock and roll and hear it played live in person for the first time on the guitar and the piano and that was by him yeah yeah Yeah, him playing and i always used to i didn't even i swear i didn't even know till i'm still learning that certain songs that uncle roger would used to play on his guitar i'm still learning that oh he didn't write that song (laughs) uh, there was a john prine song called please don't bury me Uh it was you know please don't bury me down in the cold cold ground i'd rather have him cut me up and pass me all around yeah yeah and i Man, I, I probably was like 30 years old when I found out my Uncle Roger didn't write that song. <laughs> yeah. so uh, this guy sounds just like my Uncle Roger. <laughs> yeah, I was like crushed when I found out that I thought he wrote it. He never lied to me and told me he wrote it or anything. I was right, just a you kid. just made that assumption. Yeah, yeah, I was just a little kid and heard him heard him playing it. Um, and so uh, there were, like I said, that side of the family definitely more leaning toward country, uh, southern stuff. And then on at home in my immediate family – lean more toward the, like I said, the Billy Joel's Beach Boys, Eagles. Mom was a massive Barry Manilow fan. Uh-huh. Man, we sent her for one of her birthdays to a Barry Manilow concert 
in Evansville, Indiana, a long time ago. That was probably the best birthday present we ever gave her. Ever. He's still around, Barry Manilow. Yep, yep. You know, still, he's playing, still out there. playing in Vegas, I think. So um, anyway, moving forward from that, I wanted to learn to play that kind of music, and that wasn't what I was learning in piano. Right, right. It was you know, classical stuff, and, and again, I think, I'm sure there's a lot of good piano teachers. I know some around here that are doing it right now uh, in our area that are very good at it. And they teach kids songs that are current that they want to learn. They'll uh-huh. ask a kid, what yeah, kind of song keep you want to live? Keep some learn. active. Keep some interested. Right. If it's Taylor Swift or you know Imagine Dragons or something or anybody current, I don't know. And that if the kid's learning a song that they like, and I do the same thing with my own kids, mm-hmm. then they keep playing. Right. Uh, and uh, then from, from that, growing up in, in high school – I, I still remember my, my buddy and I, I think we were freshmen, and we were walking by a room and saw in the window of the choir room, it was a room full of room full of good-looking girls. And we, um, <coughs> excuse me, we uh, saw that room and wanted to be a part of that. Yeah. And it turns out it was the show choir, I think that's what they call it back then, it was the show choir. And so my friend, my friend and I, we auditioned for it, and... Uh, I got in. I can't remember if he did or not. And so I got in basically to meet girls. And then when I got into that, through the ear of my uh, teacher, music teacher, then I guess that's when I was kind of told or that maybe Mark's got something here. Maybe he's got a little bit more in him musically than just wanting to meet girls. And that was singing. Yeah. But at that point, were you more accomplished in piano? Had you learned any other instruments? No, I wasn't accomplished in anything. So you hadn't even. So you took a couple of years of piano when you were what uh, in your maybe in, in your single eight, digits. Nine, and ten, something like that. Put it down. Started singing in choir because of the yeah. hot girls. Yeah. And and then uh, when did you pick up another instrument? Uh, a very very long time. Uh, what happened was again fast forwarding a long time. I ended up getting. Uh, uh, music and tennis scholarships to head off to college and in college still had some piano. I was a music major and I still had some, again, required piano work to do as a part of my theory classes and things. And um, sang through college in various groups and then got a, I'm fast forwarding a ton, but got a gig playing professionally at a place called Schuss Mountain Shanty Creek up in Bel Air, Michigan, up oh, north. Right. A lot of lot of skiing up there, and I played there. Six. This was between. Uh, this was between sophomore and junior year, I believe. Ended up playing playing there six nights a week, nine p.m. to one a.m. Big time band, big time performers. You know, we mentioned Barry Manilow. One of the yeah. people on that show is playing with Barry Manilow right now, uh, and. What happened in that? That was a that's a huge jump from yeah you know being in college and well I guess you were developing the credentials to yeah. be a solid musician yeah but but to have that be you know kind of your first gig to be able to play with those really outstanding musicians it must have been amazing yeah that was the moment when I guess because these auditions were held all over the country Indiana, uh-huh. Indiana University University of Michigan. Uh, Eastern Kentucky University, where I was at, and when I got it, and they only picked, you know, three three singers, and I got it. That was a moment when I kind of like, wow, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not so bad, maybe. So it know, was I, about all about your voice. I mean, you oh, were yeah, a yeah, yeah. singer. Uh, 
yeah. without having any instrument experience, really. Right. No, there was, okay. Yeah, so and, singer first. Correct. And through those, again, fast forward a lot, but in those years playing with the those amazing bands, um, I mean, there's still this day there's Grammy nominees that came out of that. I got sick and tired of being called a throat. It bothered <laughs> that's, me. That's like derogatory. Yeah, it was. Trust me. Yeah. It was derogatory and um, it pissed me off. I didn't like it. Can yeah. I say that on the show? Yeah. All right. Uh, it bothered me a lot. And I kind of vowed to myself that I was not going to continue to just be a throat and... And they were right at that time, but I vowed that I was not going to be just a throw, and I would learn to play uh, instruments and be able to speak with the instrumentalists uh, on on their level and, and communicate with them and get Mu- some, get communicate some respect. musically. Yeah, as you're playing, uh, yeah, yeah. Like to have that that kind of uh, that that nod or that you know twang, like okay, we're going to move on to the next thing. Yeah. That kind of when they talk. Chord, I mean, I learned chord progressions and things in, in theory classes in college, but they didn't make any sense to me because I wasn't playing them. Right. I was just singing, and, and I wouldn't be able to have those conversations to be educated uh, as they were and just gain some respect. I mean it. I wanted hmm. to be seen more than that. And, again, fast forward a long time, I ended up buying a guitar. It's still the only acoustic guitar I've ever owned in my life. I've had it for 22 22 years or something like that. My Uncle Roger went with me to pick it out in some little store in Cincinnati, Ohio. And along with his help, I taught myself how to play guitar. And that was when I first started to play an instrument and not just sing and, and gain, gain a little respect. And I didn't play piano for, I mean, I, I'm about 15 years, but uh-huh. I didn't touch a piano. Yeah. So were you still playing with the this band uh, at that point when mm. you were starting to play no, guitar? That that was a that was a two two summer thing. Uh, then after after I did two summers of that, I went off and I played at a place called Kings Island in Cincinnati, Ohio. I shouldn't say played. There was no playing. That was kind of yeah. You sorry, were, you were singing. That was yeah. Uh, I hope nobody has. I think some of my family members. I think my aunt Janice may have a video of me doing that, and I don't want anybody to see it. That was, <laughs> you know, theme park singing, dancing. Oh, really? No outfits though. Like, oh yeah, really? Yeah. Not like animal Not, outfits, right? You weren't wearing. Okay, so you weren't wearing. I uh, wasn't a dinosaur the or a bug bunny or anything that like, which uh, kind of made it worse because if I had an outfit, my face you're was in leader hosen or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> it's, it was a fifties, yeah, kind of thing, and yeah. I, those pictures are hidden, uh, but but practical experience and and paid experience, yes, and uh, you know, per, literally professional experience, just not not your artistic choice necessarily. No, there were no artistic choices involved <laughs> in that, right? None. Well, I'm sure that a lot of people you went to school with were like, "Oh man, look at that! Mark's got regular gigs coming this way." That. I don't know, maybe, <laughs> maybe, yeah, possibly, and and then from that point, it uh, accidentally went into tennis, and the music stopped oh, for uh-huh. for quite some time. 
I mean, you yeah. were playing tennis in college as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, what happened is uh, about my first halfway through my first semester of my junior year, I played at Vincennes University first, and then transferred to Eastern Kentucky after graduating from from VU. And uh, in my first semester, the music department came to me and said, "You have to make a choice. We're sorry." We know you're on tennis scholarship and you're on music scholarship, but the tennis is causing you to miss a lot of your obligations with music, and you got to make a choice. Oh wow! I'd say you know, it so was. Did you graduate from Vincennes? Yeah, yeah. Is it a two-year school? Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. All right. Before was... heading to EKU. I got you. Yeah, and uh, in Vincennes, massive mentoring in the music in the uh, in the music from a guy named uh, Dan Miller, Doctor Dan Miller. He was a mentor there who. Uh, just a genius. I think he had two had two degrees from Juilliard and also Michigan State, and he he taught me so much. And he's a guy who taught me how to be yelled at. I mean that. He Except was, constructive criticism. Yes, very <laughs> loud, serious, in your face, constructive criticism. And he, uh, but he loved us, even though he was tough on us. Yeah. He loved us, and uh, I still credit him to this day for um, teaching me how to handle very uh, loud aggressive constructive criticism and being able to take it and learn from it because he was there were some moments at least with me where you could a person could wilt under under that okay i i get that and you know you hear about that but you know, does that really make you a better musician or a better student? I'm not. I don't 100% agree with that approach to education or mentorship. But oh, uh, you know, it, I, I totally it, it, certainly you remember and and you attribute you know what you've learned from him. But that, that maybe you remember so well because it was so traumatic back when it was going on. Uh, I think I think traumatic's too big a word. I'm I'm just he. I know what you mean. For me, as a as a as a coach of tennis, my belief is in all sports. If you're a coach that has to scream and yell and cuss out your players in order to get them to do what you want them to do, my opinion is that you suck. I do believe, uh-huh. or not otherwise effective. <laughs> yes, I don't care who you are. I mean, if you're Bobby Knight and those those kind of guys, yeah. the only yeah, way you know how like to get that. your players to do what you want is to scream and yell and cuss at them all the time. I do not think you're good. I yeah. think you are good if you can get your players to. Uh, become the best they can be without doing that, and I want like Coach K is like that. Yeah, I at, guess I, I think he can get pretty peed off, just like the guy I was telling you about. But yeah. the guy I had it was I don't want to think it was not that kind of abusive, right. screaming, okay. yelling, cussing. There were just a couple moments where he was not afraid to tell me if I uh-huh. was, you know, simple things like if you're if you're flat or uh, if you're. Um, you're not rehearsing enough. You're not practicing enough. He wasn't afraid to tell me, and I had a healthy fear of doing my my jobs as a music student correctly and that's transferred to the re- to the rest of my life and uh i i haven't forgotten i actually went back to him when i started doing the tennis full time because the teaching of tennis was really hurting my voice and i went back and he taught me he gave me some voice lessons on how to yell and uh, oh all right properly yeah how about that yeah uh, we had been listening to well we were we're here with Mark Fix um musician from the Harbor Country area uh songwriter and I want to play another one of his songs you're listening to Johnny Secret Stash on Radio Harbor Country 
It's uh, 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan. That's WRHC and WRHZ out of Sawyer, Michigan, 93.5. And we're underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics out of New Buffalo, Michigan, for everything you need to grow your own secret stash. We're going to play another song from Mark and then come back and talk with him more. And uh, Marco's going to play this Knock Me Down. What can you tell us about that song? Uh, The whole song was written about the... I would hear the stories all the time about the person where they hit rock bottom, you know, lying in the gutter, literally, and pulling themselves out of that, either by the support of friends, either by uh, finding... um, faith in God and pulling themselves from very dark situations in their life. And I was in a situation, season of life where it sounds really weird, but I I wanted to have that story. And I, I kind of felt like I needed to be, I needed to be knocked down and experience that so that I would get my act together and improve my life and the song is about it's a it's a collection of fictional stories based on real stories i've heard that i just wanted to be knocked down so i could go through the whole turning my life around and improving it and so it's asking to be knocked down as weird as that sounds that sounds awesome hold on here it is All right. Well, a uh, little um, technical difficulty there, but we'll try to work it out. Sounds like I needed to uh, download the full song before we try to play it. But sure. uh, so, uh, knock me down. It was. Uh, I, it's almost like uh, in order to be a good blues player, you got to have had experience the blues, and so you were looking for that kind of an experience, but broader than just to be able to be a good player, just to try to strengthen your your life or yeah. uh your, you know the essence of what you've been doing so um did it work <laughs> <laughs> um writing the song made me feel better sure i think and i've got 
as I'm sure a lot of songwriters do, the majority of the songs I've written, nobody has ever heard and probably will never hear because I either can't play them in public or am just not comfortable with it. And the act of writing a song like that can sometimes make you feel a lot better. And I, and it sounds weird. I kind of think when some of those songs show up in your head, I kind of thank them for coming to me to help me deal with whatever I'm dealing with. What is your songwriting style? Um, I mean, the idea of, of the song just kind of coming to you, do they, do songs come to you generally like that? And then you try to get them down and, and how do you get them down? Do you just start playing them and, and then remember them or do you write them out? You know, what's your usual process? Well, for me, it'll come. A song will come from a story that I hear. For example, the "Knock Me Down." Various stories of people turning their lives around. Um, "Pray Some More" came from a story I heard about a church praying like crazy for some miracles that happened. And um, I got a song, "Mama's Fallen and She Can't Get Up." That one is written again about a story, true stories about my mom falling down all the time. So I wrote a song to make fun of her. And then other times a song will pop up with a, just one, one lyric. And then I want to write it all around that one lyric. That's one of the things I think is cool about somebody like a Taylor Swift. She'll, she'll take a phrase that people say all this all the time. Like we are never, ever getting back together. And then write a whole song about using a phrase that that everybody uses. And um, there's been rare times when I'll hear the music first. Um, but mostly it's a phrase or a story. Uh, there is – I rarely can write for anything on purpose, if that makes sense. Like if you said, Mark, I want you to write this song about this. That doesn't yeah. work very often. It did happen with – with a song I wrote for Father's Day called You Did It Right. I wanted to write a song for Father's Day. And so I wrote You Did It Right for that. But the way it usually works, and I don't write that much anymore um, just because of life and time and I'm in a different place now with with the kids and, and work. But the way it usually works for me is um, it usually happens at night and a song will show up on my head, whether a verse, a theme, a riff, and I'll hear it in my head and I'll be laying in the bed and I'll say, and this is the way it usually goes with me now, I'll say, no, 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 why did you have to show up now? Why did <laughs> Just, you have to show up I need up to get now? up early. <laughs> For real, it's like 11 o'clock and I mean it, this is a conversation I have with myself. Um, my wife, Christy, knows how it works and I sit there and lay there and like, oh man, why, why? Because when you get it, I mean, it, it's going to go away quick. I mean, I write it down. I have a whole list on my on my phone of songs I want to write. But unfortunately, lately, you know, with with life, it's, it's nothing wrong. Just a busy life. I have to say, not tonight, and I have to say goodbye to him. And I'll write it down, and hope that the inspiration shows back up later. But I'll have to say, I, I can't work on you tonight because if a song shows up for me, if it shows up at you know it's ten o'clock at night. And I make the choice to act on that thought and put it together. There will be no sleeping. It will be all night. The sun will come up and I won't even know that 10 hours have gone by. Right, right. And I 
am hoping down the road that I have a little more time when I can say yes to the songs that pop into my head in the middle of the night. Yeah. I can't tell you how many of them that I've written that, I mean, truly, all night long, no sleeping. But that's what you got to do. Right. And so you've come out with a couple albums and done some recording. Where have you done some of that recording? Is it all in the same place? Yeah, yeah. Do you do it at home? I've done it all in Buchanan with a guy named Matt Thornton. His family owns and runs the Union Coffee House in downtown Buchanan. Okay. And Matt, to me, is a musical genius. And um, I've recorded everything there. He's taught me a ton. He has played on a lot of them. He, uh, The first song he played, Lost in the Green, he's playing the lead guitar solo on that, on that song. On Knock Me Down, which we may play in a little bit if we download <laughs> that. Figure it out. <laughs> uh, Matt is the, uh, he's the electric guitar on that, and I think also the drums. So most of them Buchanan with Matt, all of them with Matt Thornton and Buchanan. He's been fantastic. He's my kind of a musical um, Obi-Wan Kenobi to me. He's amazing. Does he do the producing too, the the actual engineering yes. as it's recorded? Yes. Uh-huh. I don't think he's doing it. In, I don't think he's doing it in, anymore. Uh, I think he's moved on from that. And uh, he, one of the most, one of the most difficult things that I, still don't like about the recording experience was Matt introducing me to the click track, which I can't stand. And that was good for me though, because I'm very often fly by the seat of my pants and playing live rhythmically. You can be flexible with that a bit, but when you record and you got a click track going, you got to be good. Explain what a click track is. A click track is when the producer engineer plays a, sound it can honestly be any sound he would flip through a lot of them and ask how about this sound which do you want and it's just uh and over and over just like a beep 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 or whatever the sound is and you gotta you gotta stick with it you gotta stay with that track and now like a with, metronome kind yeah it's a metronome sound. it's uh-huh. a metronome oh, okay. and i despised it <laughs> i despised it and i you know, fought him on it and uh probably some tense moments in regards to that but he and uh and that was for the second the second uh, recording that I did, the one, uh, the "This Is How I Sing" CD, mm-hmm. right? the The first one we did with my family, the legacy continues. It was all played live. There were no, there was no click track uh, live in the studio. Every song. So you guys all just got together, and uh, who's part of that group that played? So for that, what it was was I got it as a surprise Christmas present, saved up my money, and got it as a present for my family so we could all go in and record because we'd been, we'd been playing out and playing all kinds of places, and it was time. And 2013? Yeah, I guess. Is that what that, when yeah, that was? Yeah, I guess that's okay. when it was, yeah. And it was my Uncle Roger playing lead guitar. My cousin Emma played bass. My dad Bill played drums. I played acoustic guitar. Um, Vocals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sang too. Roger also sang a little bit on that. And uh, I'm trying to think. We have we have about five bass players in the family. I don't think yeah. my brother played on the CD. My my cousin Pete may have, but that was all family that played on that album. So you had multiple uh, bass players, though. Yeah, the way it worked was. Got a big, got a big family, and uh, my 
brother Scott played some bass. My cousin Emma played some bass. Uh, my cousin Peter Wright played some bass. <laughs> I played <laughs> some bass on the rare occasions when the other bass players couldn't be there. Roger played some bass on the occasion the other ones couldn't be there. We pulled people out of the audience. And, um, yes, the whole family, even, I think, an old boyfriend of Emma's played bass one time. We surprised and scared Uncle Roger. It was was honestly Uncle Roger's band, but he let us be up there with him. Oh, okay. Good. He he led it with his guitar playing Uh and musical leadership, and we just followed. And um, it's now I've kind of become the Uncle Roger with my family in my current life, and I know what he went through now with having kids playing the band because mine all do. Uh And it's he always used to say it's like hurting – Herding kittens, and it is. Uh huh. Yeah, it is. But I love it. It's my favorite. I would say musically, it is my favorite thing to do now to be on stage and play with my family. So, and you've done that more recently. Played with your kids, and yeah. Who else? When you play with your kids, who else plays? Your wife? Does uh, she play too? She sings. Uh, she uh-huh. does play piano, but she's one of those people that reads notes. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so she could play just about anything. She could pick up sheet music and if there's notes, but we don't do that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in the band right now that play and and uh, I play all over the place. And every time you see me, it may be somebody different with me. And my my son Tristan, he plays keys. He's also played drums, and he may be experimenting with a little bass guitar <laughs> this uh, uh, this coming season. My uh, my dad plays plays drums with us uh, a friend named greg miller not greg miller greg collins greg miller works at south shore uh <laughs> greg collins plays drums um i um, uh, got a friend named wes shanker that plays drums with us sometimes my stepdaughter olivia has played saxophone and keys in the band uh, josh paul's stepson he plays guitar in the band um uh, the, the, I got a kid that's playing with me the most, lead electric guitar and some bass, is Nolan Youngstead. He's a St. Joe kid. He's 16, I think. He might be 17. Sorry if I'm saying Prodigy. you are. Yeah, he's good. And one of the things that's happened with this group, with the kids now, is uh, – and I've never, I've never felt I'm a musician. I felt I'm a, I'm a singer that, that plays some guitar. I'm a singer that plays some piano but more of a performer as opposed to a musician. I think there, I think there's a difference. I don't think I'm awesome at that at all. And some of the musicians in our Southwest Michigan community just blow me away and make me feel like I don't know anything, but what's happening with my family now and the kids, I feel like I got to be better because they're growing so much in their musicianship. And there's moments now when I'm with, with the, the family and the kids and I'm looking at Olivia going, she knows what this, she knows what the notes in this scale are, and I don't. I'm looking at Nolan, and he, he knows that I'm off on this chord progression, and I'm having to get better because of my kids, because yeah. they're getting better, and I love it. Great. I love it. Do you guys uh, – what's the name of the band you play when you're with that group? Uh Typically, we go by Mark Fix and the Significant Others. All right. It, uh, yeah, we also – well, that's, that's not that's, – yes, yeah, sometimes we do that. We also have a, a band that's – that is um, my kids, my wife, my dad, Greg Collins has played in it, and Nolan, and we go by Mark Fix and the Funkadelic Cheese Puffs, 
we uh, have played the Berrien County Fair now for the past four years. We play the the stage there, and uh, the way the name happened, we were sitting around the table one day at dinner, and I we were talking about band, band names and things like the kids were. I was throwing out names, and the kids were like, "Those are stupid." And I was saying, "Come on, seriously! Like, all right, what would you think if I said Foo Fighters?" And I said, "You'd think that was stupid too, but they're famous, so it's awesome." And so I said, what about the Funkadelic Cheese Puffs? And they all said, that's stupid, that's dumb, we can't be called the Funkadelic Cheese Puffs. So without them knowing it, I booked us a show with the Berrien County Fair under the name the Funkadelic Cheese Puffs, <laughs> and they found out about it when they saw it in the newspaper and on literature. And, and were they like, oh, hey, there's another <laughs> band called the Funkadelic Cheese Puffs. And uh, it was awesome because there was nothing they could do. About uh, it. <laughs> and I said, see, it's a, cool, it's a cool name. So now when we play with them, we're the Funkadelic Cheese Puffs. We even had world tour shirts yeah. made up. Uh, we were, um, I was, for a while, I was Mark Fix and the Tools. And the only reason I use my name is I play with so many different people. And I'm, now that I'm kind of known in my little small neck of the woods that – People see that and, and know uh, kind of what they're getting if they come to the show. But we were Mark fixing the tools for a while. And that was, for me, kind of a play on words that the guys liked and, and the girls that play in the band, and meaning the tools to make the music, but also Mark fixing the tools, like, you know, you're a tool. But one of the band members' wives disapproved of her husband being yeah. called a tool, and we had to ditch that name. All right. Well, that happens, I guess. <laughs> Uh, did you um, and, and you play solo, like a solo acoustic stuff, and then you'll play with uh, the the smaller band, uh, Mark Fix and the Tools, and then you also play with the Funkadelic Cheese Puffs. Uh, how do you book your your engagements? Uh, well, if I have a wedding, for example, if somebody wants a wedding, weddings are weddings are big dogs. Those are a ton of work. A lot of hours put in, and weddings are very demanding, and there's a, there's a set list for all of those. It's not just pull-out songs, fly by the seat of your pants, and they're paying a lot of money. So when I play a wedding, I typically ask my most accomplished musicians for the wedding, and so far that hasn't been my kids uh-huh. yet. We're getting close. So I will pull from my musician friends who are honestly very good, and then if I'm playing at a venue where I'm background music sitting in the corner and not a lot of people are paying attention, then I may pull in somebody who might be a little less experienced because for me, I want to create as many musicians as possible and I also get a thrill out of watching people play live who have never done it before because it's so awesome and to see the high that they get from doing it. So I try as often as I can to get as many musicians to play with me uh, as possible if if i'm playing a if I'm so you have a, a network of of musicians that you play with and you'll tap them for you know one particular show maybe not another one right if yeah. i have a loud drummer for example mm-hmm. i may grab that drummer for a certain gig where i need a, a heavy-handed heavy-footed drummer if i have a gig uh where it's a little bit quieter uh, uh, my dad usually plays those he enjoys those. It also depends on the venue. If I'm playing the, uh, on a roof in a restaurant in downtown St. Joe um, where you got a whole lot of stairs and a whole lot of lugging equipment, right? dad might shy away from that one, um, yeah. understandably, for, for the work. So 
it just depends on the gig and I don't have a set band. Like some people have asked me, how don't you have, how come you don't have a set band? And, and yeah, we'd probably be even better if it was a set group. I play too many shows to have a set band because makes it hard to practice right. with this broad group of contributors. Right. Right. And since I play so many shows, there's no way I, I can, I've found the people that can play every single one of those shows. And we are uh, my core group, the people I just mentioned, we are already scheduling rehearsals for what we call the off season this winter so that next summer, hopefully more of the same group can play together more often and we can be even better. It's important to me because of the fact that I play so often around here that people don't get sick of me. And I don't get sick of myself. <laughs> and we're working really hard this off season to get together, learn some new stuff, um, even some different instrumentation. I'd like to be on the piano more. And now that the the kids and the other people in the band are getting better, I can maybe put away the uh, guitar and move over to the piano and let them carry the guitar parts. What does your song list sound like for some of these shows? It's everything. I mean, so I, not just your own original songs, but also covers of other songs. Yeah, I don't like play my I don't play my stuff very often at these venues. When I play a place, for example, the Box Factory, uh, the Livery, um, the Union Coffee House in Buchanan, sure. which yeah. is a very cool, intimate setting. When I play venues like that, uh, very heavy songs that I write. That's what they want. Yeah, sure. A place and, like the Livery, right. you know, that's a definitely a place where you can for sure. It's also a venue the, where people are there to listen to music. Yeah, they listen. Yeah, they look at you. It's not just there to drink beer and and right. uh, have it going on in the background. If you play a place like that, uh, they're looking at you, and most of them are sober. Uh, and you got to be good. <laughs> yeah, be. yeah. There's some accomplished musicians yeah. who regularly go to the livery. Right, right. That's a it's a great music venue, and yeah. I'll probably be there tomorrow night watching. Uh, I think Mike Struwin's playing there with oh, yeah. Dee and the Dreamers. I'm I'm hoping to go tomorrow night, and he's got a great setup, and, Mike Struwin, and check them out. So, um, yeah, but I want to. I don't I don't do this just for fun. Don't get me wrong. I have a lot of fun. I like pretending and playing rock star. Uh, and I tell all the kids that too. You have a blast when you're on stage and play rock star. But it all for me, it's it's a job that makes me money. So I, you're professional about it. You, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it pays some bills, and because of that, I play what every venue wants to hear. And if I go to a venue and um, nobody wants to hear my stuff, I don't play it, and I'm fine with it because I want to do what the venue wants. And I think a lot of musicians can make the mistake of going into places and playing their own stuff. Just dictating. Right. And if your customer service yeah, oriented. And, yeah. And if, now if the, if the room is lending itself to it and I've got some songs that are good for those things, for example, mama's falling and she can't get up. I always play that one. That's a fun crowd, one. It sounds like crowd favorite, sing along the people that have heard me enough. They, they sing along with it on the chorus. It's, it's a blast and I've, I've got some others, but I play what people want to hear. And if, if I tell people when they come to my shows, if you come to one of my shows and then someone says, hey, I heard you went to see that Mark Fix guy. What kind of music does he play? I hope that your answer is, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I really do. You don't fit in into, into a, a genre. No, I've played shows where they request, they, it's, I can get the vibe and it's country. I'll play country the whole time. And then I've played stuff where it's blues and I'll play so blues do you, the whole time. So do you go into a venue with a song list prepared or do you just feel the audience and play a song uh, based on you know what you think that they're ready to hear at that point. The only time I go into a venue with a 
set list would be weddings. Weddings, right. Uh, I've it got might a, even be pre-planned with the oh, wedding absolutely. couple. They, they want to hear certain songs. and I got a contract. They a whole know different what's story. coming. There's yeah. no surprises. It's very scripted. Yeah. And if I play a... For example, uh, the full band, we're going to play a big a big fundraiser event in July of 2020. Uh, that's one of the things we're rehearsing for. That will be a set ordered list for something like that. Oh, okay. um, if I play, a, let's say it's um, a New Year's Eve party, full out, you know, dancing party, that will be an ordered set list. But for the other venues, I go in with, um, I think I'm in the neighborhood of 300-ish songs wow. out, of, out of my my list. And I just look at the room. I do. I just mm-hmm. look at the room. I, I look at the ages. I look at whether it's more men, more women, um, how much they've been drinking. That, and before, uh, and I, I'll play usually often the first half of the – I know because I play so many venues frequently, I can tell for the first hour and a half, it's probably going to be like this. And so I save all the right. crazy 80s stuff for the last hour when everybody's dancing and – um, going crazy, but uh, that's how I do it. I just read the room and and see what it appears that right. they want. So, with a a uh, repertoire like of three hundred songs, when it comes to picking a musician to play along with you in one of those venues, how do you make sure that they know what's going to be played? I mean, you guys do a lot of practicing, <laughs> no. or are they just pretty typical songs that uh, most people already know? They won't know. Yeah, uh, the ones that play with me. The way it works, and it's it's kind of a joke, but it's how it works. I don't have time. I'm trying this off season to rehearse more with the band. Uh-huh. Yeah. I just don't have time with with the full time job, all the kids at home, to have regular rehearsals and get everybody together for rehearsals. So, uh, we have with technology today. If everybody has an iPad, I can sync my iPad to all of theirs. Uh-huh. So let's say there's five musicians on stage and they each have an iPad. I can actually sync to where I, if I flip my page and I go uh-huh. to, you know, Brown Eye Girl. It comes up on their screen up, too. It'll show up on theirs. Well, that helps with the lyrics, but does that also help with the uh, the music that they're supposed to be playing for the song? If they're good. Yeah. I mean that. I mean that. Yeah, if they're yeah, good. If, yeah. somebody, if somebody, if a musician cannot play on the fly and be spontaneous. Uh, if they don't know the chords, if uh, they can't feel breaks, yeah, they can't play with me. Right. I don't so, mean that disrespectful. So anybody, the but. other side of that is that you've got people who play with you who are able to just pick it up and, and say, Oh, brown eyed girl. Okay, let's go. Right. Ex- exactly. Yeah. And uh, every show, if somebody, if somebody, I think that all the musicians that play with me, they would, tell you there's never a show where they don't play at least 10 15 songs they've never played in their entire life and i and i would never do that again for the weddings and 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 big benefits and uh for example a concert at a place like the livery or the box factory or things like that i would never do it for that those are those are a little more scripted yeah right but playing a uh playing a bar restaurant party uh, just got to read the room and i may we may be in one song during the song and i'll i'll just yell at him hey 
on a, I'll say after the song we're playing this. So uh-huh. Be ready. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yelling instructions mm-hmm. on the fly, like I, it's kind of like a quarterback right before they snap the ball. You know how they're yeah. walking down the line, they're barking out. You know, um, Manning, Jill, and Omaha, Omaha. I'm doing it the whole time, <laughs> and the crowd can't usually hear it. They're not. Yeah, they don't really. And sometimes when doing. they can, I've heard, I've had people say, "That's kind of cool. It's yeah. kind of neat that how you were telling them where to go." And the musicians that I bring with me, they usually smile and laugh and say all right let's give it a shot (laughs) cool all right i'm not sure what we're gonna be able to play here but i wanted to close out the radio hour you're listening to johnny's secret stash on radio harbor country 106.7 fm out of three oaks michigan that's wrhc and 93.5 out of sawyer michigan that's wrhz and again we're underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics out of New Buffalo, Michigan. We're here with Mark Fix, and we've been talking to him about his music background and the songs he's created, and um, we're going to try to play uh, once more. We're going to try to play one of his songs, um, and, uh, and then we're going to come back and uh, talk a little bit more in the podcast part of the show. And here we go. Why don't we try to listen to... Um, Walk the line. That yeah, yeah. Good, we'll give you a little. We'll give you a little background on that. Yeah, that is the version you're going to hear. It is our version of Daughtry's version of Live's version of it. What happened was Daughtry played this song on American Idol in this minor key, which it was not played in in the original and he got in a whole lot of trouble <laughs> and on the next night the next night he had to publicly apologize to live for basically stealing mm. their version really and the rest of that story is that after he got voted off american idol if i'm correct the very next day live offered him a job uh he turned it down and went solo but so yeah this is our version of uh right. daughtry's version of lives walk the line okay now there's a chance it's only going to be the first 30 seconds okay. so <laughs> we'll listen to that and then if that happens then i'm going to play mama's fallen and she can't get up because we were talking cool. about that yeah. before all right here we go walk the line Find it very, very easy to be true. I find myself alone when each day is through. Yes, I'll admit that I'm a fool for you. Because you're mine, I walk the line. As sure as night is dark and day is light, I keep you on my mind both day and night. And happiness I've known proves that it's right. Because you're mine, I walk. Line. 
got a way to keep me on your side. You give me cause for love, love that I can't hide. For you, I know I try to turn the tide because you're mine. I walk the line. Watch on this side of mine I keep my eyes wide open all the time I keep the ends out for the tide that binds Because you're mine I walk the line Because you're mine I, I walk this next song here is called Mama's Fallen and She Can't Get Up, and we wrote this one about my mama, who has a history of falling down and breaking bones and all kinds of uh, stuff like that. So uh, we decided we'd write a song to, to make fun of my lovely mother. So, Mom, this one's for you. Well, my mama's a good woman who shouldn't walk too fast If she gets above a crawl, she'll fall down and crash She don't need to be in a hurry, she needs to take her time Even when she goes slow, she'll fall on her behind Don't matter the place, it don't matter the pace Cause my mama will find a way to fall on her face Mama's falling and she can't get up I said my mama's falling and she can't get up, no It don't matter the pace, it don't matter the place Cause my mama will find a way to fall on her face, yeah baby She fell in Vegas She fell in Michigan too But the worst one of all was on Lake Wawasee I'll never forget Aunt Janice running to me She said your mama's falling and she can't get up I said my mama's falling and she can't get up, no It don't matter the pace, it don't matter the pace Cause my mama will find a way to fall on her face, yeah baby Fall on. I 
said my uncle Roger's sister will find a way to fall on her faith. Uh, we're back and uh, we're in the post radio part of the show. Uh, it's only going to be available on the podcast. So if you're listening, then uh, you figured out how to hear the podcast. And again, we're here with Mark Fix, a uh, local a musician from the Harbor Country area, as well as a uh, tennis pro at uh, South Shore Health and Racket Club. Um, teaches private also. And so, Mark, it sounds like you sort of take that that coaching approach to your, you know, your musical endeavors, having uh, people that you can tap on to, to join you in various musical ventures that you do. And, um, you know, from, from weddings to uh, live concerts to background music at, at bars and stuff like that. Um, So you talked a little bit about playing at the livery and the box factory. Uh, Do you have any, Shows coming up in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm playing at uh, DeBlon DeBlon Winery on. Oh man, it's coming up close. I don't have the schedule right in front of me, but I know I'm playing. Let me pull that up. Yeah, DeBlon Winery. Yeah, so they're... it'd probably be on the on the Facebook page because it just happened. You, you oh, can okay. check on there, see if it's on there on the upcoming shows. Yeah. I know you're looking at the website right now. I've right, got it is uh, November 10th. Is that? Yeah, it? yeah, that's it. Yeah, all right. I've also got. Um, Harbor Light Brewery in South Haven coming up real soon. Um, I'm playing at Frankie's in Union Pier. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, 12 Corners. I think there's a December 20th show at 12 Corners that I'm playing at. Kind of all over the place. Yeah. Uh, So how can people find you and find out where you're playing? You're on Facebook. you got your own webpage. You know, what are the... What's the information on how yeah. to find you? I'm very active with the Facebook page. It's Mark Fix Music on Facebook. It seems to work really well in getting people to shows. I also have Mark Fix Music on uh, Twitter and uh, Mark Fix on Instagram. And then the website is markfix.com. And I keep that pretty updated. Sometimes it's tough with uh, how quickly the show's yeah. show up a little easier to add stuff to facebook probably but, but also on the website is the the list of most of the songs that we typically play and that works well when people are choosing us for weddings they can go oh on there right and, i see you have a tab called set list so yeah that's where you have so if somebody wants a, mm-hmm. a wedding or anything they can go on that and I've, I've had i've had brides and grooms go on there and hand me in order the songs <laughs> they want for their wedding, for their they, wedding set they've, list, they've right planned out their wedding. Yeah, I like it because yeah, then when sense. I play, when I play a show and somebody's done that, if if they don't like what they're hearing, <laughs> they picked it. Yeah, no, I mean, but <laughs> but just uh, to be able to have that kind of contribution from the uh, from the people getting married, right. you know, it's probably they're happy about it, and uh, and it sounds like it makes it a little bit easier for you to know. Sure, and I you would, know you're I, not uh, having to judge the room and figure out what people want to hear, and right. I'm, I'm sure there's an aspect to that when it gets later into the night, and and maybe you're uh, continuing to play after you know some people have left, and then you can be a little bit more freeform. Absolutely, yeah. we, uh, and I'm not afraid in a wedding situation to uh, at the end of the night turn into a DJ. That's happened a lot. 
where the last half hour and the people that are still left there want to start hearing Baby's Got Back and uh-huh. MC Hammer and all that stuff. I'll play whatever they want, and that's something I hope venues that hire me see. It's it's truly not about me. It's whatever they want. If they think I, I tell them all, if I'm playing too loud, if I'm playing too quiet, quiet, you come and tell me. Yeah. If, if you want to hear this kind of music, you come and tell me. Doesn't hurt my feelings at all, and and that's important to me that they know they don't have to worry when I come in about hurting my feelings if if they tell me I'm too loud or too quiet. Uh huh. And I see that uh, you've you're. You have something on here called the hybrid wedding experience yeah. in live and or DJ. So you do, you're a selector as well, a selector right. and a transitioner, like a DJ experience. I just find that many couples now, they want live music and they want a DJ. Uh-huh. And if they hire me, they do not have to choose between a DJ and right, a live right. band. They can have both. And we go into it up front where... You're going to get the live band for this amount of time during your reception, and you just give me the green light, and as soon as they give it to me, we shift into DJ style. The way the way it kind of started, I was at a wedding, and one of the bridesmaids came up and requested the – I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, but Kesha, her song called TikTok. I think it was uh-huh. 90s, late 80s or something. Sure, Kesha. Yeah, Kesha. She not wanted... even that old. I, oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah, relatively recent. Yeah. Not really on my screen either. Me, me neither. But... <laughs> so they wanted the song. She's like, the bride loved this song when she was in college or whatever it was, and, and she wanted TikTok. And I said, all right, well, I, I can't play that, you know, but I'll let me see what I can do. So I um, downloaded it on the phone real quick, and we cranked out TikTok. And this was within like the last... 45 minutes of the yeah, wedding. Yeah, unbelievable. Off your phone, sounds yeah, like. Yeah, so then what happened is then they're like, we want Babies Got Back. We want uh, MC Hammer Can't Touch This. And yeah. so for the last 30 to 45 minutes, I ended up DJing it, and they loved it. They loved it. And so from that point forward, I just realized, you know, I need to advertise this, that if you want both, you can have it. You, uh-huh. don't, have, you don't have to choose between a DJ and live yeah. music. You can have both. And then do you send the band home when you start into that DJ mode? Or Yeah, and typically uh-huh. they, I mean, they always, not typically, they always know ahead of time. Yeah. If, if we're in a situation where I just tell them, hey, this this couple, they may want the DJ stuff, um, maybe last hour, last 45 minutes, I tell them up front, there's no surprises if they don't want a part of it, and you know, it's fine. Yeah. It's not personal at all, and I ask somebody else, but... Um, the in in terms of compensation and things, it's all set ahead of time. It doesn't change whether we right. stop thirty minutes early or not, and it works well. And I, honestly, I've had some times when uh, we did that, and the the band and the the people at the party had you know kind of become friends, and the band's dancing to to the eighties hip hop yeah, and yeah. all that. It's been it's been great. So for that, do you have uh, more than just your phone now? Do you have like a, a deck that you work with and that kind of thing? Yeah, typically, honestly, it's, it's out of a it's out of an iPad. Uh, yeah, uh, right. iPads that's, are that's amazing. What DJing is these days. You yeah. know, you don't have those mixers like you used to or forty fives that you carted around. It's uh, yeah, it's all electronic. And I had a, stored digitally. I had an embarrassing mistake one time when I was. This was when it first happened. I wasn't advertising. You know, somebody asked to play something, and I played through my phone, and then I got a call, <laughs> and the phone starts ringing through the sound system. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> that was embarrassing. Yeah, but uh, I shut it off quickly. 
Yeah. Uh, when you play at, uh, what, what are some of the local, you mentioned Frankie's, uh, that's a, a local place and, and that's probably a little bit more of playing in the background, people talking. Where are some of the other places that you played around in this area? Dablon, obviously. Yeah. You got that coming up. Recently, Rybell's is a place that oh, has yeah. become a, a very, I play them. I play there frequently. I think I played 14, 15 shows there this last season, and I've got another, I don't know, 15 shows booked there already for next year. It's when you're a musician. You play up on the roof? Yep. On the rooftop? Yeah. Up on the roof. When you, when you play venues, I've gone into venues. I'm sure all musicians have had this. You go into a venue, and you get there, and you're like, uh, I don't know if I'm right. I don't know if I'm right for this. I've had that. Yeah, you happen. feel that sometimes. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm not sure if they hired the right person. And then you'll, you'll walk into other venues and you you know right away. You start playing. It just feels right. My vibe is right for this yeah. room and the vibe of the room is right for me. And it's it's a it's a real good relationship between the room and the musician and their music. It, it sounds weird, a relationship with a room, but they're, it's true. And uh, Rybell's, we've just just hit it off there and the parties up on that roof have been amazing. Uh, the dancing, we've been shut down by the cops because there's a 10 o'clock. Um, yeah. And you can kind of hear thing. from the roof up there. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, played a lot of rivals. Um, uh, another place, uh, I've started re- playing recently last Haymarket on Sundays. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Haymarket has been a real fun place to play. I've done a lot of shows at, uh, at round barn mm-hmm. and, um, and everywhere harbor lights brand new i just started harbor there. lights it's a brewery in south haven oh uh, okay it's... i stopped in on accident on a trip this summer and had blueberry cider because i'm not manly enough to drink the the dark beers and <laughs> i loved it and they had a little stage and somebody was playing music and i said i gotta i gotta play this place uh um yeah it was cool i really i really enjoyed playing there played 12 corners forever I got a great relationship with them. There's just so many venues now in our in our area to play music. Where's Twelve Corners? I'm not familiar with it. Benton Harbor. Oh, you can okay. see it off 94 when you drive when you drive oh, past. Oh yeah, you can, you can see it up there. They've they've been they've been fantastic uh, to play. And then a lot of private parties. I play a a party for Whirlpool every year. I've, I've got some. I've played the Shadowland Ballroom. The it's called the Little Black Dress event. I've played that. Um, the Red Cross Red Fusion fundraiser played that many times. Uh, one of our favorite gigs ever was we played for the symphony. It was the opening act before the symphony played on Fourth of July at Shadowland, the big Shadowland. That must stage. have been a different kind of set list for you guys. It was awesome to try to coordinate with you know that crowd, people there to see a symphony, and then. Yeah, you know. it was fun. I brought in one of my uh, big dog keyboard players from Kalamazoo, Dr. Tom Ryan, for that for that event. I think uh, Dennis Vera was on bass. My dad played a little, and uh, just a, a blast. The Fourth of July atmosphere on that big stage with that big sound system with the boats going by. That was awesome. That was a cool show. Waco Beach. There's not a whole lot of places around here I haven't Oh, uh, yeah. No, it sounds like it. And when, I, yeah. when we played the family band, we played Chicago, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Cincinnati. So that's my next question. Do you do a lot of traveling for shows? Not as much anymore. 
Not as that much. was a couple of years ago. Yeah, the the responsibilities at work have the tennis program is is really growing and and pickleball there, and so I've cut back on traveling to out of town gigs right. just to make sure I'm meeting my obligations at at my real job. Yeah, <laughs> at my real job too. But when I was with the family band, we we played all over the place. We played the another fun gig. We played the rock. Well, not let's get ready to say the rock and roll. We played the college football hall of fame twice. In, in Cleveland, in South Bend. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, it does. I don't think it exists anymore. Oh, the buildings there. But <laughs> played the College Football Hall of Fame a couple times. Played. We've played Niles on the riverfront stage. Those were fun festivals um, and stuff. Yeah. So you play some of the festivals as well. Yeah, yeah I'd say though. Well, and you talked about the um, 4-H fair. I would say yeah. I'd say that's Bering probably again the most. When I finished, that, that's probably the most satisfying, fun gig. It's the most work show that I play every year they've been on they've been hopefully they keep hiring us but the the 4-H fair in Berrien County when I bring the whole family up yeah everybody must playing. be a blast for the kids too yeah and, and, and they probably have a bunch of their friends out there on yeah events like that my stepdaughter Hannah Pauls and then my daughter Madison Fix uh they haven't played in the band with us but they take on the media relations uh-huh. job there and they get signs and t-shirts and the photos the merch stand yeah holding down the, the merch the whole family is a part of the Berrien county fair and that's been a blast yeah because again the kids feel like rock stars we're up on a big stage with big sound and it's it's awesome that's great that sounds good now you know i know you have the set list and how much of your songs do you have the ability to you know, sort of take it to the next step and do improv and and jam out, basically. Do you do any of that with um, the people um, you play with? There are – any song we play that's got 12-bar blues. Any song uh-huh. with 12-bar blues, as musicians know, you can take that as far as you want and as, as long as you want. Yeah. Um, those – and even me, I'm, I'm trying to improve my ability to solo during the instrumental breaks on that, and I'm encouraging – and that's encouraging my kids and the people in the band to do it as well because during the middle of it, I'll, I'll look at them and I'll say, go. Yeah. And they're like, what? It's like, go. <laughs> and on the fly in front of people, they got to try to bust something off, you know, and I think it's the best the best way to learn. We've got a couple jam songs that are really fun for us to do whatever on, for example – Joe Cocker's Feeling All Right. Oh, Remember man. that one? Of course, yeah. It All it does, the whole song, goes back and forth between an A minor 7 and a D7. That's it. There's two chords. But that song, man, it, even oh, though it's yeah. only two chords, it go forever in so many different directions. And um, another good one is e- Evil Ways. Uh-huh. Evil Ways, the especially the bass player. The and the No, I'm oh. Santana. Oh, San- oh, okay. Yeah, that one, that's a one that we can drag on forever and uh depends on who the keyboard player is but the possibilities on that in regards to organ and bass are endless they probably are in guitar too i'm not good enough um for that so i enjoy as far as teaching how to play music and my kids and things those are the best songs to do it where you just go Uh and see what happens yeah and they'll say, well, how long are we going to play it? When are we going to end it? And I'll say, I don't know. Yeah, let's see how it goes. How are we going to end it? I don't know. Yeah. Or I'll look at one of the musicians and say, you're going to end it for us. That's fun for me. Do you guys, uh, when you're doing these jams, is it one person doing a solo and then everyone else just kind of holds the, the line? Or do you 
get into, you know, playing off each other and, and uh, you know, really fully jamming out with the full band, getting into it. Where, we, where we've been at is typically it's one person mm-hmm. soloing alone and, you know, I'll be conducting up there and I'll say, hey, keys are taking over now. And they're learning dynamics where they're back off a little bit. So the keys come right, out and I'll look right. and I'll say, Nolan's taking it now on the electric guitar. And then we all, you know, die down a little and Nolan takes it. But one of my goals with the rehearsals this winter is to do some back and forth stuff. I'm uh-huh. excited about it. I think that we are getting to a place where we can pull some of that off. And I told you earlier, I got to get better because they're getting better. I want to be able to sit there and have Nolan play a lick on the guitar and then I play it on the guitar or or with the harmonica and go back and forth between harmonica lick and guitar lick and same with the keys and um, um, be able to look at Greg or my dad on the drums and say, hey, you're going to throw a fill in right here. And so I my goal is that we can do what you just said. Yeah. A little more playing off and back and forth and kind of the instruments talking to each other instead of one talking by itself. Uh-huh. So. so I was listening to this podcast the other day, uh, Fish, the band yeah. from Vermont. They have uh, a podcast that came out relatively recently, and they were talking about how they first became close with some of these people at Second City in Chicago. Uh, they had a show in Chicago, and they were popping by the studio, and and you know then they invited the, the, the comedians over to the concert. And anyway, they started talking about this sort of mutual interest in improvisation that they both have and obviously the comedian improvisation people spend more time probably talking about what they're going to be doing and how they're going to be doing it as opposed to a musician does and they introduced to the fish guys this notion that when you're when you're going to do this improvisation it's the attitude has got to be like a yes and so you know someone's doing their thing and then they jump in, and then the other people can say, you know, not out loud, but they're essentially doing a yes, and, and then they get into their thing. That's so cool. So they're supportive, and then also sort of taking it to the next thing, and then, you know, just take it where it goes. I love that. you got to tell me I, where I, I can hear that podcast. Okay, yeah, I'll send it over to you. I'm going to listen to what that. it's called. It's, um, but that the, it. I'm just getting addicted to these podcasts lately, you know? It's like you can hear... So many interesting things going on, and uh, gobs uh, of good ones out there. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, well, Mark, great having you on the show. Thank you. And uh, I'm really glad to get to uh, hear some of your personal stuff. Yeah, thank uh, you. And we're, you know, you got these shows coming up at uh, Dablon Winery. I think the first next next show you got coming up looks like this November 10th one. At Dablon on a Sunday, November tenth, two thirty yeah. to five thirty. Yep. And then looks like the f- another one on Sunday, December first at Dablon. Um, but you know, people can go on to the Facebook page and they can go on to your website and see where you're playing and make sure they check you out. And uh, we are Radio Harbor Country, WRHC one hundred six point seven FM out of Three Oaks, ninety three point five WRHZ out of Sawyer, Michigan, and you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. Thanks again, Mark. Thank you. Mark Fix. Take care. Take care, everybody.